1: My name is Pam and I'll be the conference operator for today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the LaCara Diamond 2021 Q2 results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Ms. Ira Thomas, you may begin your conference.
2: Thank you very much, Pam. Hello, and thank you for joining Mukara's second quarter results call. Joining me from management today is Zara Bolt, CFO, Dr. John Armstrong, VP Technical Services, and Aisha Hira, VP Corporate Development and Strategy. In addition, we are pleased to be welcoming Gord Dirksen, President of JDS uh, Energy's Engineering Division and our newly appointed EPC manager, who is on hand to address any specific inquiries related to our underground expansion project. We will begin with a brief review of our quarterly performance, followed by a more fulsome update on our underground project, which we are pleased to report is now ramping up to full speed following the completion of project financing in Q2. I will be making forward-looking statements, so I do encourage you to review this cautionary statement uh, at your leisure on our website. Lucara is certainly pleased to be reporting a solid, strong quarter reflecting a better business environment and market fundamentals that continue to improve quarter over quarter and year over year as we've started to recover from the ravages of COVID. It should be noted, however, that the impacts of the COVID variants in Botswana are being felt deeply still, and limited vaccine availability continues to be a major concern for our workforce and our local communities. Lucara continues to be vigilant in implementing stringent protocols at the mine site and our offices in Havarone to manage the spread and to help support those impacted by the disease. Vaccines are slowly being rolled out now across the country and we are working closely with the government to support this effort. For the quarter, with all COVID operating protocols in place, the result was continued, safe, reliable production and all physical metrics achieved against plan. Key highlights for the period include project funding for the Karohe underground expansion following the successful completion of debt and equity financings in July, and a record production period for the recovery of specials, or diamonds greater than 10.8 carats, which accounted for 10.2 weight percent of total direct milling recovered carats compared to approximately 6.5 percent in the comparable period last year. Other records of note. The quarter delivered our third diamond greater than 1,000 carats and Botswana's largest pink diamond weighing in at just over 62 carats in size. Zara will shortly take us through some additional financial and operating highlights, but I would like to set the stage with a brief comment on the diamond market, which has continued to be stable and even buoyant and has helped deliver strong results uh, and an average price per carat approaching pre-pandemic levels at $671 per carat. Strength was observed throughout the value chain and Clara also enjoyed strong sales results with increasing volumes and customer participation. As a final summary comment, the recently completed debt and equity financings continue to support a healthy cash position and good available liquidity as we look forward to the first drawdowns on the senior secured project financing in support of our underground expansion activities, which as I said, are in the process of ramping up um, for the remaining second half of the year. I think I've already spoken uh, to COVID and and just to to mention that we continue to um, work very closely with the government. We've got stringent protocols in effect on site. And efforts to keep everyone safe, and our operations continue at full, steady-state capacity. As mining has progressed deeper in the open pit and is now dominated by South Love ore, we have seen strong resource performance, and in Q2, a record recovery of specials or diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in size, which is now more than uh, 50% higher uh, in, in Two, uh, compared to where we were in the same period last year. In addition, the 1,174 carat stone, our third diamond over 1,000 carats, um, was recovered, and we also recovered 16 diamonds greater than 100 carats, including two diamonds greater than 400 carats, two diamonds greater than 200 carats, and a further 12 stones between 1 and 200 carats in weight. This is slide continues to demonstrate uh, the consistent recovery of these diamonds remains the key value driver for Lucara, accounting for close to 70% of our revenues on a regular basis. Under our novel supply agreement with HB, Lucara's plus 10.8 carat production is being sold at prices based on the estimated polished outcome of each diamond determined through state-of-the-art scanning and planning technology, with a true up amount payable to Lucara on actual achieved polish sales in excess of the initial estimated polish price, less the fee and the cost of manufacturing. The plus 10.8 carat diamonds of poorer quality, which is the cleavage lows and the rejection goods, are sold as rough parcels and do not enter the polishing pipeline at HB. Sales continued to ramp up during the period and we are beginning to see the benefits of this arrangement which provides a transparent pricing mechanism on committed terms and is continuing to deliver regular cash flow at what we believe will be superior prices for this important segment of our production profile. In Q2, the company recorded revenue of $30.7 million from the HB sales agreements, including top-up values from shipments in 2020 and 2021. Lucara entered into a second strategic collaboration with HB in 2020, this time including Louis Vuitton, the world's leading luxury brand, for the planning and polishing of the exceptional 549-karat white-gen diamond, we refer to as Titunia meaning flower in Sotswana that we recovered uh, in February of last year. The Cetunia is one of the highest quality exceptional diamonds ever recovered at Kuroi, and we believe this alliance is a unique opportunity to partner with industry-leading participants within the supply chain to raise the profile of our operations in Botswana and transform this rare and unique rough diamond into an extraordinary bespoke polished diamond collection, catering exclusively to Louis Vuitton's global customer base. Under the terms of this agreement, Lucara will receive payment for diamonds created from Setunia no later than December of 2021. Similar to our existing supply agreement with HB, Lucara will receive payment based on the final polished outcome, less a commission and the cost of polishing. As I mentioned at the outset, the diamond market continues to be strong and stable through to mid-year, which has delivered Higher diamond prices, both in terms of rough and polished. Analyst consensus estimates uh, are that rough diamond prices are up between 15 and 20% so far in 2021, demonstrating a strong recovery from uh, pandemic pricing observed in 2020. Comforting to see is the strength across the value chain, with polished diamond jewelry sales trending upward as well. Tiffany, which is now owned by our partner Louis Vuitton, recorded another strong quarter in Q2, with good demand coming out of the US and China. Our outlook for the market remains positive as the fundamentals of supply and demand continue to improve globally. Interest in Clara, Lucara's 100% owned proprietary, secure web-based digital sales platform, continues to grow in 2021, owing to continued global restrictions impeding travel for many diamond manufacturers, combined with an increasing interest in purchasing rough diamonds in a more efficient, innovative way. That positive momentum continued uh, through the second quarter uh, with six sales um, and a total sales volume transaction of 8.3 million, which is a 38% increase from the six million transacted in the first quarter. Encouragingly, Clara also observed consistent price increases at each subsequent sale throughout the period. The number of the buyers number of buyers on the platform um, has also increased to 84 in Q2 up from 80 in Q1, and the company is maintaining a waiting list to manage supply and demand. A third-party supplier trial the platform in Q2, and additional third-party goods are planned for sale in Q3 as discussions continue. With additional third party sellers to help us build supply. I'd like now uh, to turn over to Zara to take us through some additional financial and operating highlights.
3: Thanks very much, Ira. Uh, good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Just a quick reminder that I'll be making some forward looking statements, so please refer to slide two of the presentation for our cautionary statement. Also, Certain financial measures that I will refer to during today's call and which appear in the presentation are non-IFRS measures. Please refer to our MD&A for details on how these measures are calculated. All amounts are reported in US dollars unless otherwise stated. Let's begin with the financial highlights from the second quarter, which are very different from where we were at this time last year. Total revenues of 46.3 million were recognized in the second quarter resulting in an average price per carat sold of $671 a carat. I would remind you that last year we made a deliberate decision, due to very difficult market conditions, not to sell any plus 10.8 carat diamonds through tender. As a result, our revenue for the second quarter last year was $7.5 million, or $109 a carat. This quarter, the company recorded net income of $6 million, or earnings per share of $0.02, as compared to a net loss of $13.9 million, or, or a net loss of $0.04 per share in the comparative quarter from 2020. Adjusted EBITDA was $22.2 as compared to negative adjusted EBITDA of $10 million for the same period in 2020. Cash flow from operations was $0.05 per share this quarter, as compared to negative two cents per share during the three months ended June 30th, 2020. The increase in revenue this quarter had the most significant impact on cash flow from operations, adjusted EBITDA, and net income. Continuing the trend from the first quarter this year, pricing continued to increase in virtually all size classes, resulting in a strong financial performance for the first half of 2021. We ended the quarter with 13.7 million in cash, 50 million drawn on the working capital facility, and net debt of 36.3 million. Our 50 million working capital facility was extended in early May, and will be refinanced shortly with funds from the 220 million senior secured project financing. We're currently working through the conditions precedent to reach financial close for those facilities, which will allow us to refinance the existing working capital facility and submit our first utilization request for the underground expansion. Moving on to highlights from the first 6 months of June 30 of 2021, pardon me. Revenues more than doubled from 41.6 million uh, to 99.9 million for the 6 months ended June 30th, 2021. This reflects the much stronger price environment following a significant and sustained increase in demand which began in the latter part of 2020. Higher revenues had the most significant impact on the improvement to adjusted EBITDA which is 44.5 million this year as compared to a negative adjusted EBITDA of 1.8 million last year, and also to our net income of 9.4 million for the six months ended June 30th, 2021, as compared to a net loss of 17.1 million for the same six month period in 2020. We achieved an average price per carat sold of $618 from the sale of almost 161,000 carats in the first half of this year, This compares to an average price per carat sold of $268, from the sale of 155,000 carats during the same six-month period in 2020. Operating expenses increased about 14 to 15% from the same period last year, due to a combination of higher power, labour and insurance costs. This is similar to the increase that was observed in the first quarter this year, And reflective of cost reductions that we implemented in Q2 2020 that have subsequently been removed. The operating cost per ton of ore processed was $28.79 compared to $27.14 for the same period last year. Cash flow from operations was 11 cents per share as compared to nil for the same period from 2020. Moving now to our operational highlights for the second quarter. These included ore and waste mined of 1 million tons and 0.7 million tons respectively, 730,000 tons of ore processed, resulting in just over 101,000 carats recovered, achieving a recovered grade of 13.9 carats per 100 tons. As Ira mentioned earlier, we recovered 261 specials, or diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in weight from direct milling during the second quarter, representing 10.2 weight percent of total direct milling recovered carats. This is one of our highest production quarters to date in terms of the volume of specials recovered. In comparison, we recovered 6.4 weight percent specials in Q2 2020. In addition to a 1,174 carat stone recovered, 16 diamonds greater than 100 carats were also recovered during the quarter, including two diamonds greater than 400 carats, two diamonds greater than 200 carats, along with a further 12 stones between 100 and 200 carats in weight. Mining and processing results were on plan during the second quarter, although you will note that the split between ore and waste tons mined has been weighted more heavily to ore tons mined. This was done to enable destacking of the benches in the northern part of the pit, which will help us maintain operational flexibility through the remainder of the year the reduced waste mining is not expected to have an impact on our ability to access ore in line with the mine plan. Carrots sold totaled just under 69,000 in the quarter, which was very close uh, to the, the same number of carrots sold in the second quarter of 2020. The operating cost per carat sold was $219, resulting in an operating margin of $450 a carat sold, or 67% which is consistent with our Q1 results and more typical of our high margin operating history, which apart from 2020 has been fairly consistent over the life of the mine. Moving now to look briefly at the sales channels that we're using. This slide sets out how we sell our diamonds. Revenues from the sale of plus 10.8 carat diamonds to HB were 30.7 million in the second quarter, representing almost 77% of total revenues of 46.3 million recognized in the second quarter. We have estimated variable consideration of 5.1 million as of June 30th on shipments delivered to HB through the end of June, of slightly from the 4.9, 4.9 million estimate as at March 31st. In the first quarter, there was a noticeable increase in the number of larger, higher value diamonds sold, and this continued into the second quarter. We achieved an average price of six thousand seven hundred sixty seven dollars per carat for the special stole almost double from the three thousand five hundred fifty four dollars a carat from q1 this year shipments continue to be delivered to hb about twice a month and with improvements made by hb in their manufacturing process we're seeing a reduction in the length of time that it takes to analyze and manufacture the less complicated plus 10.8 carat stones we've delivered as a result Some of you may have noticed that our receivable balance with HB remained at around 23 million as of June 30th. This is about the same as it was at March 31st and up from just over 13 million at the year end. This results from a combination of the timing of deliveries to HB, improvements in their manufacturing processes and to the higher value of the production delivered following a very strong second quarter for recoveries. Looking now at Clara, which is our proprietary secure web-based digital sales platform for Rough Diamonds. The value of Rough Diamonds transacted through Clara was 8.3 million over six sales in the second quarter, a 38% increase from six million transactions in the first quarter. Strong price increases observed in the first quarter continued through the second quarter, and the number of buyers on the platform increased to 84 as of June 30th. The average price per carat sold through the Clara platform was just over $1,600. The balance of our production is sold through a quarterly tender process due to the ongoing state of emergency in Botswana and pandemic-related travel restrictions, both the March and May quarterly tenders were held in Antwerp rather than, rather than Havaroni, and our September tender will take place from Antwerp as well. The diamonds sold through tender represent the largest volume but lowest value portion of our production. We achieved an average price of $242 a carat for those diamonds less than 10.8 carats in weight, which is up from $186 a carat um, for those same stones in the first quarter this year. We continue to see prices improve, which is encouraging. Moving just briefly to our 2021 annual guidance, um, you will see that we've adjusted the split between ore and waste mining for the reasons I've noted previously. The balance of our 2021 guidance remains unchanged. I will point out that we expect to spend up to 120 million on the underground expansion this year, having already spent almost 33 million by the end of June. On that note, I will hand the floor over to Dr. John Armstrong, our vice president technical services to talk about where we are with the underground expansion project, John.
4: Okay, thank you Zara, and thank you Ira. Um, Good morning and afternoon and welcome everyone to the call. I'm uh, pleased to present an update on the Croy Underground Expansion Project and talk through some of the changes since the 2019 feasibility study and some of the physical progress achieved during 2020 and 2021 and of course the next steps uh, for the project. I would encourage uh, everyone to take note of the cautionary statements on slide two of this uh, presentation deck. My remarks will include forward-looking statements. As a reminder, all amounts are referenced are in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. Next slide, please. And the Curly Underground Project uh, is now, as described previously, a fully financed project with operating cash flow from the open pit, a $220 million finance facility and the recently closed Canadian $41.4 million equity financing. The underground project will extend the mine life an additional 13 plus years out to 2040 with an estimated $4 billion of additional revenue. Our revenue models use conservative diamond price assumptions with no escalation and excludes exceptional stone revenue. The underground mining method, uh, given its bottom-up approach, targets the highest value rock type in the south lobe, the EMPKS, which has the coarsest diamond-sized frequency distribution, highest recoverable grade, and is the dominant rock type that we mine in these early stages from the underground, and is the source of many of the truly exceptional diamond recoveries, including the 1109 carat La Rona, the 549 carat Setunia, and the 1758 carat Soello, to name a few. Next slide, please. The long hole stoping method uh, has been selected, and basically this method is uh, like a fully assisted block cave with the design and the layout analogous to many blockade mines around the world. This method allows early access to the EMPTS, as mentioned, in the early stages of the underground mine life with minimal dilution and contributes to an approximately three-year payback period. We have all necessary permits in place, including a mining license extension to 2046. NICARA has adopted the IFC performance standards, extending those to the equator principles for the underground project. We are moving to adopt CIM towards sustainable mining initiative and the global industry standard for tailings management as part of our ongoing commitment to environmental and social be- best practices. Much has happened since the conclusion of the feasibility study in the fourth quarter of 2019 and despite the challenges presented over the last 18 months, much significant project has been made on the project uh, to date. This is a testament to the tremendous effort put forward by JDS Energy and Mining and CARS EPCM for the project various contractors that we have engaged with and signed contracts with and the strong operational environment of the Crowley mine itself. Although COVID-19 related delays have impacted the original schedule, no material variances between the 2019 feasibility study and the current project design have resulted following the completion of detailed design and engineering work undertaken in 2020 and 2021. COVID 19 has impacted the schedule with delay in the precinct activities for shaft development by, uh, by one year. And now we expect full production in the fourth quarter of 2026, a 1.3 year delay from the original feasibility study uh, end date. Overall, full project CAP, Pat, CAP X, has increased marginally by 4% to 530, 534 million US dollars, including contingency. These cost increases are driven mainly by an increase in the diameter of the production shaft, and an additional sub level, and, and more other kind of minor changes that I'll touch on uh, throughout the presentation. To the end of the second quarter of 2021, a total of $51.4 million has been spent on the project to date. These have focused on procurement of long lead time items, engineering design work for the shafts, critical early works and civil works. Um, the ultimate, ultimate goal of this was to ensure minimal additional delays to the project schedule as we went through the financing exercise and to de risk the start of the project. The open pit mine plan has been rescoped and optimized to allow for continuous operation into 2026. Overall underground op- operation parameters with respect to waste and ore tons mines, terrace recovered, and so forth remain the same as the 2019 feasibility study. As a refresher, the underground project is targeting the substantial resources remaining below the economic expense of the open pits in the south lobe. It will be a 7,200 tonne per day shaft operation that utilizes the long hole shrink mining method, providing this additional 13 years of mine life after a five-year construction period. The mine will be accessed from a 767-metre deep production shaft, 8.5 metres in diameter driven from surface. It will be equipped with two 21-ton skips for production hoisting and a service cage for men and material movement throughout the mine. The shaft will also serve as the main fresh air intake to the mine. A second shaft, six meters in diameter, driven from surface to 733 meters deep, will form the vent- ventilation and the, ex- the ventilation shaft and the exhaust for the mine workings. A total of seven levels will access the ore body. with Three connected to the shaft system, um, the main extraction level on 310. Uh, It will be laid out, typical of a block caving arrangement, and all the other levels will form drilling platforms that will drill from within the the Kimberlite to do the sequencing on the drill and blast up to the scope. and we're planning to mine about 400 vertical vertical meters from the 310 level up to the the base of the open pits. The long hole method is, is planned to systematically drill and blast the entire lobe on a vertical retreat basis. A significant portion of the blasted muck is left in the stope during blasting and stoping to stabilize the host rock, with only the swell extracted during the drill and blast phase. And that uh, muck is extracted um, out of the 310 level draw points. Once the column is fully blasted, the stope will be drawn empty, just simply by drawing the muck points down, and we'll recover the kimberlite skin uh, as we as we mine down. And during the first uh, the first two hundred meter verticals of mining are contained within the uh, granite host rock with minimal dilution expected there um, it's within our payback period, and the dominant rock type that come out of the draw points at that point in time will be the EMP casts in terms of some additional um, design changes that took place through the detailed uh, work that was done there's been an addition of uh, an additional sub level. Um, an undercut level uh, just off, just above 310 level. This will assist in the development of the drawbells and the trough style draw points, um, and some optimizations around vent raises. Next slide, please. The long hole uh, shrink method brings forth uh, a number of advantages, especially early in the years of the underground operations at Crowie. Namely, one, access to the highest value portion of the lower south lobe, minimal dilution as mining occurs in competent granite host rocks underground development can be done simultaneously with the open-pit operations. Volumetrically, the EMPKS unit forms a dominant rock type that will be extracted during the early stage of the underground operation, with over 90% of the recoverable carats between the 310 and 400 levels attributable to this EMPKS unit, which as we previously mentioned has a demonstrably coarse diamond size distribution and is a significant source of large high-value diamonds from the current open-pit operations. The graphic that you see on the bottom of the slide displays the recovered carrots by source. Uh, this aligns with some of the disclosure around the 2019 feasibility study, but obviously uh, takes into account uh, slight modifications due to projective delays. Next slide, please. This particular slide here is uh, a collection of images uh, from just some of the significant diamond recoveries that have taken place from the South Globe of the AK6 Kimberlite. Crowley has now produced three diamonds in excess of 1,000 carats a piece, each of which has been recovered from processing of the EMPKS unit. These include the 1,109 carat of Dorona, the 1,750 carat Soelo, the unnamed 1,174 carat uh, diamond recovered just recently, along with a number of other top-quality high-weight gems shown here, including the 549 carat Setunia the 813 karat constellation. Production runs of the EMPTS have exceeded the modeled weight percent of plus 10.8 karat diamonds that is in the 2019 feasibility study, which sits at 7.98% for the EMPTS unit. In 2021, we have had two production runs of EMPTS that have exceeded 12 weight percent plus 10.8 karat diamonds, along with the recovery of a number of large, uh, high quality diamonds. And not to be uh, not to be outshone by by its brother in the south lobe, the the MPKS um, is also a significant producer of large, uh, high quality diamonds. Shown on the right side of this image, you'll see the 393 carat stone recently recovered and press released, the 378 carat stone that was recovered earlier this year, and what has been shown here is the 342 carat diamond also recovered earlier this year. Um, for those of you that are into to counting, there are nine diamonds shown on this particular uh, image. Six of these diamonds have been recovered since the beginning of 2020. The demonstrably coarse size distributions for both the MPTS and EMPTS and the continued, continued recovery of these and other high-value diamonds, coupled with the continued strong overall strong resource performance, are important economic drivers for the underground mine at spend a little bit of time on on this slide. This is diamond pricing. I'm actually not going to spend a a pile of time here. There's a lot for the the reader to unpack here. Um, The main takeaways uh, that I would like to emphasize is that the car is holding the same diamond price assumption as the 2019 feasibility study. Those are shown in the small inset table on the lower uh, right image. Those are, the, those are the, in the feasibility study, basically those numbers enter the, the mine plan in 2023. There is no diamond price escalation post-2023 on the diamond prices. No exceptional stone recoveries are included in the model average prices. And I would say that if you take those model average prices and do a weighted average price against our production profiles as shown on this diagram, you will see very good reconciliation between achieved price and our model prices.
0: Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
4: The next, uh, the next slide will walk through some of the uh, open pits uh, and underground uh, metrics. These have been modified to represent uh, depletion since the, the feasibility study, but the, the main takeaway is, again, here, we're going to process around 47 million tons of ore, and then you combined um or we're gonna we're gonna mine about 47 million tons, process 54 million tons. That includes the tail out to 2040 of the, uh, of the large life mine stockpiles, et cetera, that sit on surface. Our uh, expected operating cost costs uh, for per ton process line up with our, our current pricing environment around thirty dollars a ton. And we should generate in post-tax about one point two billion dollars in in cash
5: flow. Next next slide, please.
4: This next slide here is um, a table that uh, that compares the 2019 feasibility study pre-production capex against our 2021 base case um, as noted earlier the overall uh, capital was increased by approximately four percent 534 million dollars and this particular diagram is allowed to users to compare back to our our, our feasibility um, study in our presentations around there, these are broken out into the same, um, same buckets that uh, was in, in that particular uh, material. Right, next slide, please. Showing on this slide is, um, is how the spend of that $534 million uh, looks like going forward on an annualized basis, that's the image on the right. The image on the left just provides a pretty straightforward, simple uh, waterfall in terms of how the costs uh, move around. The, the, there's a few things that I'll note. If you look at this, the annualized spend on the right, the, you know, the dip in 2023 in capital costs, that relates mainly that there only being one activity taking place on the project at that time or one large activity taking place and that would just be shaft sinking. The 2021 20, and 22 bumps in CAPEX, uh, those represent obviously the establishment of the surface civils, the camp, power line, substation construction and so forth. So quite a bit of activity in the first uh, two years, settling into shaft sinking in the third year. 2024-25, the, the ramp up there is related to procurement for the underground infrastructure and the start of the underground uh, mine development. Next slide, please. This looks at
5: the underground
4: operating uh, cost estimates. These are unchanged from the feasibility study as we've not uh, re-scoped these numbers. So. It'd be these refer right back to the, the feasibility
5: uh, numbers. Next slide, please.
4: A total of 51.4 million out of the out of the total budget of 53
5: 534
4: million has been spent to date. Um, where did that 51.4 million dollars go? That has been spent mainly on uh, precinct engineering. It's complete. Uh, The detailed design and engineering around the the two main shafts is ongoing but fundamentally complete. What remains to be done is some shaft bottom and some equipping engineering, which are not critical to the uh, critical path at the moment. Detailed work on the ventilation engineering is well advanced. Um, Winders, hoists, shaft jumbos have all been procured. All the necessary equipment for the precinct is on site. The civil works are well advanced uh, around the two shafts, and we'll see some images of that coming up. With the ancillary buildings and so forth. Uh, we've completed phase one of the, uh, of, two, of the two phases for the construction of the 200 person construction camp and we've initiated work on the temporary power and the final bulk power supply. Next
5: slide please.
4: This slide has a high level indicative schedule. Um, as mentioned previously the COVID-19 delays have pushed out the start of the precinct by one year. An additional third of the year was added after detailed design and engineering uh, related to mainly ground support and some additional time around station breakouts and things of that nature. And what we're really showing here are the critical items and high level timelines that that you can compare back to the feasibility study with ramp up to full production in the fourth quarter of 2026. Next slide, please. In terms of design changes, I'll run through these uh, relatively quickly. Um, as a result of the detailed work and some value engineering, uh, the recommendation was to increase the production shaft to 8.5 metres, a slight increase to the depth of the ventilation shaft and get an additional approximately 17 metres deep, um, removal of the heavy lift hoist from the design of the uh, ventilation shaft also um, then uh, eliminates the need for a permanent head frame over the vent shaft. Some of the other design changes increase in ground support for stations and breakouts based on geotechnical work that was done um, on the large database that we already have and the results from our center line or pilot hole that were drilled down the center of both shaft locations. And the precinct will start with mobile cranes and then transitions to Scott Derrick cranes and then ultimately once the precinct is done, the permanent uh, sinking infrastructure will be put in place. Next slide, please. In terms of uh, hydrogeology relative to the feasibility study, um, given the COVID delays, the shaft development wouldn't get uh, down deep enough to provide what we needed for dewatering galleries on the 680 level. So the need for that uh, dewatering gallery system uh, has been removed from from the plan. So there's a number of savings there, savings in terms of lateral development drilling costs, and also uh, we got some wins back in the, the shaft development because it would removed any interferences between doing development while you're doing shaft sinking. Um, This means that the the focus shifts to dewatering from surface. That plan uh, has been scoped out and is uh, active at the moment, which focuses on uh, more in-pit holes for dewatering, inclined dewatering wells drilled from within the pit, and uh, sub-horizontal holes drilled into the walls of the pit to assist in dewatering and depressurizing of, of the slopes.
5: Yeah. I mentioned the shot
4: pilot holes or centerline holes, as other people refer them to them as. We've mapped out the water strikes. There was no surprises there. The water strikes through the uh, the main part of the crew sequence in the, in the sandstones. We hit water strikes where expected, with expected water inflows. Um, we also got understood a little bit more about the potential for uh, water in the in the deep granites. Uh, we had a water strike in the deep granite, and what we learned there is that those particular domains do not recharge, um, so they're basically perched uh, water strikes that we can deal with by pumping and, and grouting. Previously, we had envisioned doing grout curtains from the surface around the shafts. We have moved away from that and will now be in-shaft grouting during uh, shaft sinking. We have engaged with a grout specialist to have a grout mitigation plan in place and all required equipment on site for the start of the main sink in 2022. Next slide, please. There are two uh, power undertakings as part of this project. One being uh, an upgrade to the bulk power supplied to the mine to support the current infrastructure and the infrastructure related to, to the two shafts, um, and some temporary power to support the, the shaft sinking exercise until the bulk power is hooked up. We have, through the course of uh, 2020 and 2021, uh, negotiated and signed a self-build agreement with Botswana Power Corp for the construction of two substations and a 29-kilometer-long 132-kV transmission line. We expect to have bulk power hooked up to site in the fourth quarter of 2022. Work on the substations uh, has been awarded. Uh, Work on uh, the transmission lines is about to be awarded. Um, The temporary power will be generated through diesel gensets. We have an arrangement with Greco uh, for that. It will come in three stages to build up to its maximum capacity in 2022 to support the, the main shaft sinking. And mobilization for stage one, uh, getting those gensets on site, is actively underway at the moment. Next slide, please. Now, quickly, just walk through some, some visuals of, of words that I've been speaking about. In terms of overall site infrastructure, what you see here is uh, an aerial image of the uh, 200 person camp. Phase one is active, phase two is uh, under construction. Other activities around site infrastructure uh, include upgrades and expansion to the wastewater treatment plant, uh, an expansion and upgrade to our reverse osmosis plant. Uh, we, will be, we have looked at our, our solid waste landfill capacity. We understand that we have the capacity for additional items that will come from the underground um, we will need an additional cell but the all permits are in place for that but so this is some of the site infrastructure next slide please this is looking at the the underground uh, surface infrastructure structure. so this is on the west side of the open pit um, so in the distance you'll see the open pit and the plant and behind us would be the waste rock dumps North is to the left on this image, south is to the right, so starting at the right, you can see physically where the temporary generator uh, pad sits for the gen sets. You can see the ventilation shaft, you can see where the ventilation shaft winders and temporary kibble winders will sit. You can see the location of the main hoist room, you can see the production shaft and the service winder for the production shaft. And then off on the far uh, to the north of this particular set of infrastructure, Concrete batch plant and testing lab. Next slide, please. This is a an aerial image, um, just a different perspective. Uh, the same items that were shown on the previous image are shown here. But we can see here, of course, on the left, right side of the image is the laydown area for for steel laydown, which will come for um, fitting with shafts and also uh, headframe construction. You can see the location of the production shaft collar and the ventilation shaft collar. And I would point out that since this photo was taken a few weeks ago, that at the ventilation shaft, uh, that formwork that you see, uh, that steelwork you see, all the cement has been poured around the, uh, the shaft barrel. Uh, that area has now been backfilled and it's in the process of being handed over to UMS to start the, uh, the precinct. So a lot of activity has taken place that we're on track to start the precinct here in the next week or so. Um, a lot of work from 12 uh, Mining Services who assisted with some of the civils, Calcon who did the civil construction, and now UMS is taking over this to, to start
5: the, uh, the precinct. Next slide, please. Like most uh, diamond
4: projects, the Crowley underground expansion is uh, sensitive to diamond price is of the view that the diamond price assumptions and models applied to the project are conservative. Uh, I think we've walked through that earlier in the deck and as with all projects there are risks and opportunities and what we show here are where we see um, some of the risks sitting now. This is a little bit different than, than would have been shown back in 2019 because some risks have been decreased with, uh, obviously with an increased level of engineering and fundamentally some of the risks have been taken away because we've done the physical construction. Settled delays remain a risk due to COVID-19, however, uh, as mentioned by Ira, I mean, this is a very active process on site, ensuring the safety of our workforce, Um, active monitoring of the workforce testing, and now as the vaccination rates ramp up in both South Africa and Botswana, ensuring that the workforce gets vaccinated in a a timely manner. Water strikes and dewatering uh, our risk going forward, we feel the mitigations we're putting in place with a, a grouting strategy um, will assist in the pits. We have uh, a process and a, and a model and a plan for the, the pit dewatering, which is achieving its goals as we go forward. And it's just the mitigation there is to, is to stick to that plan, inform the model, and, and continue to update what we need to do there. And there are opportunities to win back schedule time. You can win back schedule time by uh, understanding where the grouting will be required. The duration of the grouting and get getting the grouting right. Um, we have uh, the opportunity to draw down that Kimberlite skin during mining as opposed to uh, as opposed to later in the mine life and, and going back and recovering it. There is always the possibility and, and the opportunity around large diamond recovery. This is just straight up value recovery for for the mine and for the company. Um, and I think we've demonstrated over time that 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 there is a real opportunity to see some large high-value diamonds come out of the operation. And we also have additional underground mineral resources that uh, that remain at this point in time. We haven't spent a lot of time looking at them. This would be beneath the north and the center lobes and also at depths within the south lobe. The uh, indicated resource goes down to 250 meters, uh, the 200 250 meter above sea level. Uh, the underground extraction level is at 310. Um, the base of the inferred is at 60 meters above sea level, and the south lobe is open below that. And with the mining method chosen, we have not sterilized anything below that extraction level. So there are opportunities to add additional mineral resources at depth that we looked at at the appropriate time. Next slide, please. The next step so uh, going forward, we've talked about it and hit on it a couple of times here. The precinct mobilization is currently taking place. Um, the mobilization for the temporary power is, is currently taking place. We have representatives from McGreco on site. UMS uh, South Africa and UMS Botswana are on site with their crews getting ready to start the precinct. And as I indicated, that first blast in the, in the ventilation shaft should take place within the next 10 to 14 days. So, on track with the revised schedule um, and on budget with the revised schedule to initiate that activity.
5: Um,
4: going forward, over the the course of the remainder of the year will be to start substation construction to start the detailed design and engineering work on the transmission line and to start to start clearing along that transmission line route to start uh, work on um, the underground mine and the underground mine infrastructure with respect to the crushing convey systems and to start work on engineering the design of the uh of the fine tailings uh pond expansion at Crowley. and with that uh I think that is the end of the presentation's material. Obviously, it's a very busy time on site. Uh, It's an exciting time for everybody. Um, We are being absolutely cognizant of COVID-19 and ensuring that everybody works in a safe manner. Um, And This is the beginning of a a five-year project, and we're glad that we're at this place with a fully financed project with a site that is ready to accept the the precinct crews and and to get into the real work of, of getting those shafts driven down. And with that, thank you very much, and we'll entertain any questions.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star, followed by one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star, followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. First question comes from Daniel McInvey with Ross Point Investments. Please go ahead.
5: Good morning, everyone. Um,
6: th- thank you for the, pre- the detailed presentation of the underground development plan, um, John. I just uh, this um, looking at slide 21. The, um, the first off, the capex growth from 2019 is is, uh, is relatively modest. Uh, when I look at that slide 21, I'm just wondering wh- what uh,
5: what was the increment for putting that extra undercut level in the plant? And what does that do for you? Um
4: the the, the main uh, rationale behind that was to if you look at the at the two images side by each, the uh, the one that we're going with, the the distances that the for drilling for the blast holes uh is d2 Pardon me. Decreased uh, quite dramatically, so it derisks, um, you know, the development of those drawbells. So the the blast hole lengths have um, shortened, which means you have more accurate drilling, which means that fundamentally the the, the setup of those drawbells will be closer to design than uh, than you would have got the, with the other with the other way of, or the other approach. So it's sort of a it's a it's a, the trade-off there being some excess developments, but you're going to have uh, better certainty around the setup of those drawbells, uh, which will assist in the, in the draw points and the longevity of those and the operation and operability of those draw points. And in a sense, there's sort of a swap of development meters here because we lost development meters at 680 by not having the dewatering galleries.
5: Okay. And with, uh, putting that extra undercut level in, in range, what would that cost? I and don't
4: have a particular would, would it be quality. more than more than ten million? it'll uh, be less For this one would be probably less than ten million given the given the meters drilled. A full a full sub-level like uh one of the ones up the the, the 550 or something like that would be in the in the range of ten million and this would be less than ten million. Okay. Uh, you talked about this a bit before, but just in what ways is the current
6: design more cons- uh, this is one of them, obviously the undercut. In what ways is it more conservative than the 2019 design, and and in what ways does the current design
4: um, add more risk, if if at all? So I'd say that you know the conservatism here is the is the addition of of this undercut. Um, mm-hmm. You know the other the other design things will will come as we do the detailed design around layouts, uh, the detailed layouts for additional sub levels. I don't think we between 2019 and now, I've introduced any additional risks uh, to, to the design. The idea is to remove the risks. Okay. You know, we haven't added any risk here. Okay.
5: Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, ma'am.
1: Our next question comes from Raj Ray with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
7: Thank you, Operator, and good morning, uh, IRM team. Uh, my first question uh, relates to the sales uh, uh, for this quarter. Uh, if you can throw some light as to why the sales were down quarter over quarter, and also the um, the rough carrot inventory that you had at the
5: end of the quarter and how you expect that to unwind for the rest of the year.
2: Zara, do you want to start and I can jump in? Sure.
5: Sure. Um...
1: So I'll maybe um, take a second question
3: first. Uh, The inventory balance uh, increased due to combination of more ore mined and carrots recovered than previously planned. Um, So we talked earlier in the call about um, the adjustment that we're making between ore and waste tons mined. Um, So that's having an impact. Um, And then combined so that... The inventory balance is also combined with a lower volume of carrots sold um, in the second quarter. Uh, so the carrots um, in rough diamond inventory increased about 40% um, from Q1 for those two main reasons. Um, the May tender was also earlier in the quarter, which resulted in a higher number of carrots in inventory at June 30th when compared uh, to the uh, March 31st or, or year-end. Okay, um do you
7: have a number for the the carrots in inventory. Um uh, the rough diamond carrots. And then look q too.
3: not um not at my fingertips. I can get that for uh, you and, and send it through.
7: Okay, thank you. I mean, like, uh, and do you expect that to unwind for Yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, we, we we don't carry inventory, so all of our diamonds are either sold through HB or sold at our regular tenders. So just so you're clear on that, there has been no holdback of, of diamonds for any any particular reason. They are all sold through, and our Q2 sales really were very strong and and based uh, very
5: much on kind of uh, achieved our plan. Okay. Um. And the second
7: question I have uh, is uh, towards the, the CapEx. Uh, with respect to the future procurement, how much of that has already been priced? Uh, specifically with respect to the additional ground support and then and there's a, with respect to the underground, uh, most of the procurement is 2024, 2025. And, uh, and what steel prices are you assuming in your updated um, um,
5: CapEx number? John, do you
1: want to start?
5: yeah sure
4: um so with respect to um,
5: procurement and, and
4: contracts at, at the present time uh, we have committed we are committed to about a hundred million dollars of uh, contracts and in, including procurement um, and that that includes so we were able to get the steel ordered for the head frames and things of that nature prior to um, some of the inflationary increases um what we have going forward in terms of you know that that procurement that will take place for underground we are looking at At present i said i mean we were we've started the the engineering and design work for the crush convey system so the idea is to get that pinned down as soon as possible and get the the orders placed in terms of steel prices um when they do the, the new costing, that you know the current steel prices will be used, but we haven't made any long term adjustments to our capital estimates in in that respect. Okay, but thank
2: you. Be fair, Raj. We've looked hard at that and and in anticipation of any material changes, and based on the fact that we've had early procurement of the bulk of our steel needs, we are are not looking at that as a a, a material risk.
7: Okay, okay, thank you, Ira. And then uh, uh, this question is for, for John again. Uh, look, I'm a metallurgical engineer, so uh, pardon me if, if, if I'm getting this wrong, but I had a question regarding the removal of the hoist from the the, met, uh, the ventilation shaft. Uh, uh, what was the reason for having the hoist in the first place and uh, why are you expecting now that you to don't need it? And if, and if you can touch upon that from a flexibility perspective, in terms of downtown for the main hoist, uh, uh, and also from a safety perspective.
5: Sure, those
4: are excellent questions. Um, the The removal of it, the the initial thinking there was that the heavy hit lift hoist would be used to get um, equipment into the underground during the you know, during the early stages of the development of the underground, and then periodically over the life of mine would be used again to uh, to bring pieces of equipment out or Bring pieces of equipment down, but it wasn't going to be used on a on a regular basis. So it, you know, the value engineering there was the, the trade-off ends up being you ended up with a slightly larger production shaft. Um, and the upside, in, in a way, is you don't have to procure that that permanent hoist for the ventilation shaft. You don't have to build a head frame, and you don't have to have a piece of equipment that requires you know rigorous ongoing maintenance. Um, that you only operate several times a year. So it's it was an expensive piece of equipment, like I said, to have sitting there to maintain um, and only use it frequently. So the decision was uh, made to remove it. Um, with respect to kind of the redundancies, the, the ventilation shaft would never have been set up to um, replace the production shaft, right? It doesn't have the right... Uh, internals shut up or set up with the right diameters or loading pockets or such like that, that it could um, be used as a secondary method of, of hoisting uh, ore. And when it comes to um, the the egress, the, the ventilation shaft shaft will still be the emergency egress out of the mine. And what we will have in place is something called a Tech Edge mobile rescue winder. Um, so it is a mobile emergency rescue winder that will be positioned. Uh, at the at the ventilation shaft on on a permanent basis, and that will be used as the as the emergency egress. So that component is is still covered off.
5: Okay, thanks, John. Uh, that answers all my questions. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Raj.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. Your next question comes from Scott McDonald with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead.
6: Hi everyone, uh, thank you for uh, the update. Um, a few questions for me just on the the sales um, and Clara, and and a few on the uh, the underground. Um, just just quickly on the sales, can you give any color as to why the realized prices uh, for your HB sales were um, so much higher um, this quarter versus prior quarters?
2: Sure. Well, it's a, it's a combination of two factors, Scott. It's really around, obviously, the, the the type of diamonds that we're delivering. So we've had a very strong uh, quarter in. We had a strong quarter in Q1, and that continued into Q2 with the recovery of um, some very nice high-value uh, rough diamonds. So that is a contributing factor. And then the second piece really is around the continued strength of the rough diamond market. It has been a very buoyant period. Um, and we, you, know, you will have seen, you know, other peer group companies kind of reporting similar strong sales. So it's really the combination of the strong resource performance together with an improving overall price environment for rough diamonds and polish for that okay, matter.
6: Great. So um, I guess the, the outlook for the pricing to H, from HV is, is pretty good going into Q3 and Q4.
2: Yeah, you know, what I'm most encouraged about is the fact that we're seeing um, strength across the supply chain. So it's not, you know, limited in certain pockets or certain segments. Um, We're seeing it in, you know, almost all categories of, of rough diamonds. And then we're also seeing it in terms of polished sales, jewelry sales. So. Um, I think it's a you know fundamental shift, um, something we haven't seen for you know quite a long time in the in the diamond market. Um, so we're we're and a lot of this, of course, is fueled by the fact that the supply and demand fundamentals really are starting to play out now. Um, so we we have a very positive outlook and I think we're positioned um, for uh, you know months and years to come here now.
6: Okay, excellent. Um, just a so I- Quick one on your um, your revenue guidance for the year. Are you no longer expecting the Suelo to be sold this year? I'm not not sure if that's going to be material in any case, but um, yeah, I, I, think I mean,
2: that yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the Suello, you know, for us is is the 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 value in that really has has always been around kind of the collaboration with Louis Vuitton and HB. So it's kind of doing its job right now for us it's being toured around the world um primarily in china with louis vuitton because of covid you know obviously our, our original scheduled manufacturing dates have come and gone um but we see continued merit in in moving that diamond around and um because it, it basically got stuck in a vault for you know the better part of 2020 um, and we didn't have that opportunity. So we are in discussions with LV and HB about what the next steps will be. Um, and we'll you know, probably have more to say about that towards year end, but you're right. I mean, that was for us not necessarily about the value of, of the polish produced. Yes, we, we do expect that there's some nice white material in there, um, but really the value of that stone is, as a sort of an ambassador for what we're trying to do with this new, new partnership.
6: Got it. Thank you. Um, just moving on to Clara. Uh, so you completed a trial with a, a third-party supplier in Q2, and, and it sounds like you've got more trials planned in uh, Q3. Just to confirm, are you still in discussions with the, the third party that did complete the trial? Or are they did they give good feedback? And are you are you hopeful that they'll uh, you know ramp up their their use of the platform?
2: yeah we're we're in uh, discussions with several um, potential long term participants, but what I would say is that those that have trialed the platform so far have been very pleased with the results, and the intention is um, to continue to to deliver some stones for sale. You know the key thing for us is really trying to land a you know a larger committed supply. And those discussions are are continuing, and and we're certainly hopeful that we're going to have more to say uh, on that um, before year end. But the the encouraging thing is is that, um, you know, the sales are starting, and uh, the results and feedback we're getting is is positive. So we expect that we're going to be able to continue with that sort of positive momentum towards year end.
6: And and how many third party suppliers are you? Uh, in discussions with now I think you said two last quarter Um, and and I, I guess I'm just curious what sort of are the sticking points as to getting getting someone to commit to a larger supply You
2: know, it's really just – we're we're beyond two now. We've got discussions with several um, potential sellers on the platform right now. The sticking points are simply around, you know, we're in a very strong market right now. So some would argue that diamonds are selling themselves. So, you know, to make a change, to try something new – Um, when, you know, people are, are, are basically, um, able to achieve, you know, strong results is I think probably our biggest challenge. Um, what is encouraging though, is that again, for those that have, have decided to put some on and when they can see that Clara is doing as well or better, even in this, um, uh, strong pricing environment, that, that really becomes, uh, you know, the impetus towards putting more volumes on. So, uh, you know, I, I think it will come, I think for the producers, they've obviously weathered a, a really challenging period. So they are just really happy to be, to be selling their product at, at superior prices and getting their balance sheets back in, back in order. And I think, you know, to, to make a big change in the midst of all of that is, is you know, is a big ask. But I, I think as the market continues to stabilize, uh, that's when we can start to get sort of uh, attention and interest back on, on Clara. So it's definitely happening. And, um,
6: yeah, you know, I,
2: th- I think we will have more progress to report here um, in the next two quarters.
6: Okay. Excellent. Um, if I may, I would like to ask a couple quick ones on the, uh, on the underground, um, or related, I guess you've re the open pit to extend to 2026. So just John, could you give a bit of color on how you're actually able to do that or have you added new open pit reserves or are you just mixing in a bit more stockpile processing or how are you going to achieve
5: that? No, we haven't added any additional, um,
4: Mineral reserves uh, to the open pit, so it's about it's about scheduling, and yes, uh, the use of um, some stockpile material. That uh, I think even in the, the previous plan, there was some center load material that that came through. So it's 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 about sort of slowing the the rate of ex-pit ore, um, and it is offset with uh, with stockpile ore, and so some of that. Stockpile material is um, coming out of the pit even now because, as you can see, we're we're de-stacking the the benches in the north uh, part of the pit and taking that ore to stockpile. So it was just, so um, it was just to ensure that we we had you know or will have continuous uh, ore coming from from the pit slash stockpiles into 2026, and then really that that ramp up uh, starts in earnest. Uh, through 2026 to get to full production. There will be underground ore um, uh, augmenting what's coming from the pits uh, in the early parts of 2026. Got
6: it. Thank you. Um, And just the last one. uh, On the processing costs for the underground, can you remind me why um, the processing costs uh, in 2026 onward are, are so much higher than your 2021 guidance? I think your underground in the underground it's about 16 dollars a ton versus 11 to 12
5: dollars a ton in your 2021 guidance from the open
4: pit or from the underground
5: the uh,
6: well i i, I does it's the source of the ore matter for the processing costs i guess in in the in your presentation today it, sh- it showed uh i think it's 15.70 for the processing costs for the underground, whereas in your 2021 guidance, I believe it's 11 to 12 dollars a ton, if
5: I'm, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Uh, I don't have a response
5: to that off the off the top of my head. We'd have to come back to you. Okay. All right, uh, that's it for me. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone.
1: Your next question comes from Paul Zaminsky with PZDA. Please go ahead.
5: Hi, everyone,
6: Uh, congrats on an exciting quarter with all the special recoveries. Um, I I guess I'm maybe following up on, um, you know, Scott's question and comment. I'm wondering how you're thinking about revenue guidance, looking at, you know, the average price per carrot in the quarter versus the implied full-year guidance uh, for average price. Um, How much of the average price you achieved in Q2 was a result of, you know, the product mix and higher market prices? versus maybe larger diamonds that were held back, um, you know, from sale last year due to the pandemic that are, you know, maybe being sold now.
5: Thanks, Paul. Zara, do you want to take a crack at that one? Sure. Um, So, with respect
3: to the 2021 revenue guidance, Paul, um, we're still pretty comfortable that the 180 to 210 number is the right number. Um, We're about halfway through the year. Um, you'll remember having followed us for for a number of um, years now that that it can really vary um, over uh, the, the course of different quarters. So um, so far this year, we've had, um, as as Iron and John have mentioned, really strong performance from the resource, really strong pricing and and demand from the market. Um, the The diamonds sold to HB in 2020. Um, are now mostly manufactured and sold so that that uplift from 2020 stones delivered is is generally behind us we're not seeing a lot of um, additional cash uh, expected from those stones uh, we are seeing more more current periods so deliveries shipments that have been delivered in our um, current production year um, now being sold um, and and we're starting to realize that um, some of the uplift from those deliveries as HB has improved their manufacturing process and and shortened some of the the cycle times. Ira, do you want to add to that?
2: No, I I think that you know what we're um what we're trying to do here Paul is is you know obviously we're feeling optimistic about the market and the and the outlook but it, but again because of the variable nature of Uh, any diamond resource Um, you know we've got eight years of production that we rely on with our resource models Um, we have really i think done well in q1 and q2 um, and we'll see how we do through through q3 but we think it would be imprudent to make any adjustments at this point in time um, because of the, you know, the experience of um, uh, of these resources and, and how they can vary from quarter to quarter. But it, at this point, certainly we're, you know, we're feeling good about uh, what, what's coming out of the ground.
5: Very good. Thank
1: you. Your final question comes from Oliver Grincrook with Barenberg. Please go ahead.
5: Hi. thanks for taking my
6: question. Um, Could you give us some color on what the ore mix and grade kind of looks like from the open pit up to 2026?
5: And also, when is the underground project due for board approval? Thank you. John, do you want to start and then I can take the second piece? The,
4: I would refer you to the, um, um, the mineral resource reserve statement for the open pit will give you that will give you the overall um, average uh, grade um, that remains in the open pit and this uh I believe we have it split by e versus m so uh, I would i would refer refer you to that um document for what the remainder of the lifeline of the open pit looks like with respect to to the keratin and grade.
2: And Oliver, as you know, we, you know, we are now essentially, um, our, the mine plan from here on in is essentially dominated by the south lobe. So it's all a mix of E and M uh, down to 2026 with the exception of, you know, blending that that John referred to from existing stock cells on surface. So the vast majority of the tons will be coming from either the E or the M and, you know, blend therein. Um, which accounts for the higher grades and, and the higher proportion of uh, plus 10.8 carat diamonds um, as we as we mine deeper. In terms of uh, full board sanction, uh, basically we're we're in the, the final uh, stages of, of meeting all of our conditions precedent uh, for the drawdown on the facility. Um, and so that is expected to happen uh pretty quick here, but uh where all systems go, the board is entirely supportive and excited to be moving forward with the uh with the underground project but the formal formal sanction will come once we've met all those
5: conditions precedent. That's very helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. There are no further questions at this time, please proceed.
2: Okay, well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us in the middle of your your summer um, for our Q2 results call. Uh, We look forward to, to speaking with you next quarter. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day.